Welcome to the Essential Geopolitics Podcast from Stratfor, a rain company. I'm Emily Donahue. Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte gave a UN General Assembly speech this week that indicated he would take a hardline position on his country's South China Sea claims. Here with some guidance on what happens next is Evan Reese, Stratfor's Asia-Pacific analyst. Evan, thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Emily. Duterte has been known for his outreach to China on the disputed waterway in the past. What, if anything, is changing? Yeah, I mean, so Duterte came into office in 2016. Um, he's known on the world stage as this sort of maverick. In many ways, he's uh, he's been extremely controversial for his drug war and human rights violations inside of the Philippines. But one of the things that's been really important about him is that he adopted a much softer stance towards China on the South China Sea. Now, the Philippines and Vietnam are really the key claimants in the South China Sea trying to, to challenge China's claims there, which, which are pretty extensive. But Duterte eased back on, on this hardline push against China, essentially because, well, I mean, China has, has attained the dominant position in the waterway militarily, and, and I think he believed there was, a, there was a better way to work forward that could gain some economic benefits. This was particularly important because the Philippines won uh, an international court ruling in 2016 that invalidated a lot of China's claims and gave the Philippines a lot of uh, legal ammunition to push back against China, even if it didn't necessarily have the military clout. That's the background. Here we are four years later. China's continued to build up its position in the South China Sea. The Philippines has seen a lot of promises of investment, but not necessarily a lot of follow through yet, although that could still come. And we're seeing Duterte uh, come out in an unprecedented way for him in the UN General Assembly, talking about how he's going to use this 2016 court ruling um, and defend it in a certain way. Uh, and and that's, a, that's a shift that that's well worth looking at. I think what's really important here is that I don't think we're really looking at the Philippines very strongly going against China. What we're looking at here is a rebalance, a bit of a harder line against China, a little bit more of, of a push in favor of moving towards the U.S., working with the U.S., but not necessarily pushing in an extreme way to try to invalidate China's claims overall. I think where a lot of this is coming from is Duterte is a little bit on the back foot politically. He's going out of office in the next couple years. He's a political outsider. He doesn't necessarily have a successor. And then there's elements within the Philippine military and security forces that have long been uncomfortable with the outreach to China, uh, and they're starting to have a stronger voice now. So you could see a lot more outreach to the U.S. You could even see you know, a lot more confrontational statements towards China um, as the Philippines rebalances and becomes less of you know, China's best friend in the South China Sea and much more of a complicated player. Hmm. Well, with the U.S. election looming, and of course U.S.-China competition has been over the last few years, a bipartisan issue. How do you think the U.S. approach to the South China Sea will change going forward? Yeah, so I mean, as you say, confrontation towards China is a bipartisan issue. That's not going away if you have Biden in office or if you have Trump in office or, or whoever. This is, this is a long-term trend towards confrontation towards China, and that's just, that's the facts on the ground. The South China Sea of course, is one issue among many between the U.S. and China, but it's one that the U.S. has placed particular emphasis on because a lot of its key allies in the Asia-Pacific rely on this waterway for shipping, and China's dominance over the South China Sea and its really broad claims threaten their national security, 
threaten U.S. claims of you know international freedom of navigation, and it's a it's an opportunity for the U.S. to pressure China in other ways that that makes China look like a bad actor on the world stage. So in the last few months, in particular, and, and maybe even over the past year, we've seen the U.S. take much more of a hardline position in the South China Sea. They've been increasing their freedom of navigation patrols, those sail throughs of the South China Sea, aviation flights, bilateral, multilateral military exercises. They've sent some military equipment to Vietnam, and they've given some more military assistance to the Philippines in general. Um, and then I think most importantly, in the last few months, we saw the U.S. State Department come out for the first time in July, rejecting specific South China Sea territorial claims by China, um, calling out Chinese encroachment in the waters claimed by the Philippines, Vietnam, and Indonesia. And then the following month, we saw the U.S. Commerce Department slap uh, restrictions uh, on major Chinese entities, including subsidiaries of China Communications Construction Corporation, for their activities in the South China Sea. So this is this is a hardline push by the U.S., and, and it's certainly going to be a point of tension. I think I think one of the things to emphasize here is that in a lot of ways, the South China Sea, the U.S. is always going to be in a reactive position right now, given that Chinese buildups have already occurred on all these islands, mm-hmm. um, and that to a degree the U.S. is going to have to work through all these counterclaimants, Vietnam, the Philippines, Malaysia, Indonesia, Brunei, and that means trying to partner with them and work with them. And it means that the U.S. can only really go as far as these claimants are willing to go, and many of them have a very strong economic relationship with China, and they're not willing to go as hard against their neighbor as the U.S. might wish. So that doesn't mean that the U.S. is is going to back down. It really just means that in a lot of ways, the South China Sea status quo um, is what we're going to see more of going forward. Evan, China's maritime ambitions seem to have been put on very prominent display over the past half decade. What sort of flashpoints for conflict should we be watching in the South China Sea? Right. So, I mean especially as China has really proven itself to have the dominant position in the waterway. They've got control over over some major island groupings. And then as well... The man-made islands. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And, and even built up, you know, what weren't technically islands into islands. There's a lot of other claimants that have their own military positions pretty close to China's own and, and who have clear interests in, in trying to expand those positions and, and prevent China from going further. It might sound a little silly. One of the key things that we're always watching is fishing activity in the South China Sea. Mm-hmm. There's there's tons of civilian vessels moving around from all of these different countries. Uh, they're encroaching into waters claimed by one another. You have confrontations between Chinese Coast Guard, Philippine fishermen, Chinese Coast Guard and Indonesian fishermen, Indonesian Coast Guard and Chinese fishermen, all the combinations that you can imagine. If one of these confrontations becomes fatal or or pushes to to a place that's out of the comfort zone of one of these countries, you could see that spiral into conflict uh, relatively easily. The other flashpoint that we're always watching is energy exploration. China has been trying to interfere with offshore oil exploration um, and natural gas exploration by Vietnam and Malaysia. Vietnam is has a growing economy. It's trying to become more self-reliant in terms of energy, get natural gas to its its factories, and they've been trying to explore more in their exclusive economic zone, which they claim, but China also claims parts of as well. So we've seen, you know, Vietnamese contracted drilling rigs contra- confronted by uh, by Chinese drilling rigs or, or even patrol vessels. And then in Malaysia as well, in their island claims and, and in East Malaysia, they've been trying to, to do some more exploration. So that's always a flashpoint. 
Yeah, that that could be significant. Right. At any any time you have a situation like this where you have a lot of different actors at play, there's always room for miscalculation. Evan Reese is an Asia-Pacific analyst with Stratfor, a rain company. You can check out his in-depth analysis on the South China Sea, as well as Stratfor's 2020 fourth quarter forecast on the region, with a subscription to Stratfor Worldview. Check out the special price for podcast listeners at stratfor.com slash podcast offer. That's all one word, stratfor.com slash podcast offer. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. 